Today we're continuing the Old Testament stories, and I wanted to expound on the story of Joshua, okay? Um, it is, there's so much here, and there's, it's so rich. I could just even just read the book of Joshua during the service. I teased Pastor Ray and said, you know, can I just show an episode of uh, VeggieTales, and <laughs> we'd be good? I, he didn't go for that. Um, so, but let me just give you some brief background. We're going to read from uh, Joshua 5, 13 through 6, 5. But so much is leading up to that. And, and by the way, if you don't have one, there's a Bible back there at the, at the table for you. Um, just two-minute background on things leading up to the passage for today. Um, Joshua took the leadership mantle from Moses. In the beginning of the book of Joshua, Moses had just passed, and uh, the torch is passed to, to Joshua, and Joshua is the one that ends up leading, actually leading the Israelite to the promised land. And there's so much intrigue. There's that story of how Joshua is scoping out the land, and he sends the two spies out, and Rahab, the prostitute, helps the, um, helps the spies. And by the way, one sidebar, um, Last week, Pastor Rafe shared the story of uh, Ruth and Boaz, and Rahab is Boaz's mother. So all the interconnectedness is just so amazing. And the spies find out that the people of Jericho are deathly afraid of the Israelites. Word had gotten out that Israelites are the ones that their God had parted the Red Sea and also had... Um, had taken care of the, uh, the two Amorite kings. And, and what's more, you know, there's two parting of, the, of bodies of water. And actually, we, most of us know about Moses parting the Red Sea. But in the early part of the book of Joshua, Joshua and the Ark of the Covenant and his people go before the River Jordan and the River Jordan parts. And he tells each of the 12 tribes, grab a stone from where the land is dry in the middle of the river, and that's the, the 12 stones that they put together for a memorial so that the generations in the future can remember what God has done. Okay, so, um, so this leads us to Joshua 5. So I'm gonna, I'll read from Joshua 5, 13 through 6, 5. Okay, so when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him, with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I've come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Okay, begin chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, 
And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, and everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the Ark of the Lord. He said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Okay, so um, how many of you have actually remembered this story? Or I don't know if it's Sunday school or you've read it before. Okay, many of you have. Um, and what I kind of wanted to convey this morning is just how this message and how, how it was delivered and how it was received, right? Um, now, if... Oh, by the way, one thing I just want to encourage you, anytime you are reading Old Testament, New Testament, anytime you're reading the scriptures, really ask yourself, what is God trying to say? And what is God trying to say to me at this time? And really immerse yourself in, what, so what is, what is this all about? And, and by the way, these days, we have amazing resources at our fingertips, right? Between, as long as you have internet connection, you have unlimited access to commentaries, concordances, references. So all this about Joshua, right? And now I remember kind of as a new, new believer, like, you know, didn't, didn't God say in the early in, 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 the, in, the, in the book of Joshua? See, in promises, God's promises in chapter one actually says, I have already given you this land. No one will be able to stand against you. I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses has given you. Do not deviate from them, either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Okay. Now, you just think about you being in Joshua's shoes, right? You were with Moses all this time. You saw the Red Sea part, okay? And... Now you get this, and God has promised this land. They cross the River Jordan, again, amazingly, the river parts, and they're in the promised land. And yet, there's this massive obstacle. There's this fortress, the, the, the city of Jericho. Now, again, part of it's like, well, couldn't God have made it a little easier, right? I mean, again, as a new believer, I'm like, well, wouldn't it have been easier if you know, in the early in the book of Joshua, the, the, you mentioned 40,000 troops, 40,000 soldiers in Joshua's army. Can't we storm the castle? Can't we, uh, um, Lord, a couple of cruise missiles would have been a little easier, right? But what does God say? You will march around this fortress once a day, and then on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times, so there's almost this disconnect, right? So you think about what, what is God like trying to tell us, right? What is he up to? Um, oh, one other quick sidebar. By the way, if you do research, there's actually archaeological findings these days that kind of corroborate where the, the Jericho, the city of Jericho was. And the amazing thing is it actually was almost two walls. There was the exterior wall and there was almost a higher interior wall, and the interior wall ended up being almost 40 feet above where the outside would have been. So it's this massive structure, and archaeologists have found walls, stones from the walls and structures 
almost as if the walls had kind of fell outward, right? And the instructions, we didn't go into all of it, but some of the instructions God gave was, you'll only take the silver and gold, okay? They didn't actually take the crops. So they were actually in that, in that excavation, they found urns with wheat, with crops. They, that, that's something, you know, the obedience of the Israelites that God said, don't take the, the wheat. So they left the wheat. And, then, and also instructions actually burn, burn things down. And so there's layers of ashes. So these things actually are really amazing to see. And, and they're, they're digging more and more. By the way, also, there's no archaeological finding that contradicts the Bible. Right? There's hints of, there's now evidence of King David. There's evidence of other things from the Old Testament. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep going on tangents, but have you been keeping track of what's going out the James Webb telescope? So this massive telescope, even more powerful than the Hubble telescope got sent out earlier this year. And some of the images and findings coming back are actually, they're challenging the assumptions and the foundations of the Big Bang Theory. I mean, if you're in cosmology, you're like, oh my goodness, my whole world is shattered, kind of. So there's so much going on right now, right? Um, okay, so three things to draw from the story of Joshua and the fortress of Jericho, okay? Number one, God has already won the victory. Amen. Amen. God gives us very specific instructions, Number three, God is looking for obedience, okay? The other thing you don't see in, in the passage that we read is, <laughs> unlike Jonah who fled, uh, Joshua doesn't complain. He doesn't rebut God. Like, he doesn't challenge what the instructions that he's given, all right? And part of number three is after all this is done, so that everyone can see Yahweh has done this, that God has done this. It was not through Joshua's cleverness or his strategy or his men. It was so that everyone could see that God has done this. All right. Now, I want to dive just a little more into the second point I made about getting specific instructions, right? Now, also some of you, I'm beginning to speak for myself. So I said, I, I wondered always, like, you know, if the commander, the army of God literally showed up right now, he gave me instructions. Oh, of course. Of course, I'll do, I'll do what you say. But not all of us may, may hear the direct voice of the Lord, and not all of us may, may get a visitation from the commander and army of the Lord. Um, so the question is, how do we hear from God, right? And the first thing I want to encourage you is uh, God is speaking all the time. God is trying to convey to us. He's like this perfect father is trying to give instruction to their child. And through this, this is instructions from Jesus, the apostles, including the Old Testament. God is speaking to us all the time. Okay? So that's, that's really the goal of our devotion is to really seek the Lord. And what is God trying to tell us, right? Um, now, Jesus also often says, let he who has ears to hear, let them hear. And again, early, early on in my faith, it just kind of went right over my head. But really, it's like, you know, do our hearts are earnestly listening to what God is saying? Okay. And again, it takes some discipline. You know, sometimes in our devotionals, it is, okay, I'm going through this passage, and I, 
I'm too tired, I don't know what I just read. And so there's some discipline to go through all uh, your, your rhythm of devotionals. And yet, if you just reserve some time to just hear, just invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and say, speak to us, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Um, one of the interesting perspectives, having, um, having done ministry in San Francisco for 25 years, is, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting. There's so many skeptics, so many hurt. You know, so much of people are either burned, they're, they're not trusting the organized church, they have been wounded from other, other people, and one principle that we come across is something called the moral imperative, okay? Um, it's so many conversations are so similar to this. Basically, it says, kind of related to like cognitive dissonance, right? If, if I know that there's, a, if I believe that there's a, oh, there's a creator and a God, I should obey him, right? That, that's the dissonance that we, we try to uh, maintain or, or get rid of. So, but it's easier to say, oh, there's no God, or that's not what God really said. It's easier to say that than really understand what God is trying to tell us, because then we'd have to obey, right? Um, and, you know, when I became a father, I think I understood God just a little better, okay? Um, let's just say a couple of quick stories uh, of my kids. Um, my daughter Haley was, I think she was two or three. I, don't, I forget exactly. It's like, I didn't have all of the cell phone videos. I would have just taken a quick video. But uh, I know she was in a car, a car seat. We're in our minivan. She and I were just going somewhere. And uh, just at a traffic light, I just looked in the rearview mirror, and she was looking extra precious that day. So I said, Haley, I love you. And Haley, she's like, again, two or three. Without missing a beat, she says, but God loves me more. And I was like, oh, how do I respond to that? And part of me wanted to rebut it, but I was like, it's like she's right. <laughs> uh, but the beautiful thing is she got it, you know? And she wasn't saying it to, like, annoy me or anything, but she was just almost matter-of-factly stating it, right? And, and then there's my son, you know, when he was two, I think it was somewhere between one and, two, one and a half and two, he had a bad case of croup. Uh, some of the parents here, I don't know if you're, oh boy, when, if, you're, if your children have croup, it's, it's this really deep barking kind of cough that could lead to pneumonia. And I think he had it for a week. And it was not, I'm being a little melodramatic here, but it was like, when your child is sick, you're just like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? What can, and, and, you're, and they're right at that age where you don't want to pump them with more medicine, but you're just like, what do we do? And one of the things they said was, uh, um, like, either like cool, moist air helps. And, of course, he wasn't sleeping. Hera and I, we weren't sleeping. So I do remember um, one evening, it was, like, probably 1 or 2 in the morning, and I was just sitting on the porch with Evan and just holding him. And just pray for him, you know? And like I said, I'm sorry, it, it wasn't life-threatening, but it, it, was, it was to a point where, you know, when your child is sick, you start bargaining with God. <laughs> you just uh, start making deals with God. But, uh, um, but, but really, just, just to convey, you know, our, our God loves us. I mean, if, if an imperfect father like me can, 
I love my child that much, right? Our Father, our Father in heaven is just longing to, to have a relationship with. That's the kind of uh, the Father that we have, okay? Um, so there's two questions and two stories I want to just wrap up with, all right? So again, immersing ourselves in this story, the first question I have for all of you is, what is your Jericho? All right, or who is your Jericho? Is there, is there something that is so challenging, you, what you might see as a, a huge obstacle, all right? Something that might seem impossible, all right? Um, you know, just, just some examples I just want to throw out there. Look, our spouses or family members, sometimes the people closest to us are some of the hardest to minister to. Or is our work environment such that it's so challenging and manager or coworker that's trying to undermine us? Okay. Um, you know, not all of us may be given the assignment to storm the castle, <laughs> but part of the message I want to share this morning is perhaps there is a Jericho in our, in our lives that, Lord, if you've got to intervene, because otherwise I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. Second related question is, what seemingly nonsensical solution is God giving you, right? Is God suggesting something to you that doesn't quite make sense? Like, no, I don't want to do that, right? Um, you know, and then we learn kind of in the New Testament, right? Maybe something like forgiving our enemies. It's like, my goodness. Um, and... How, again, how would I do this? There's instructions that, again, part of us like, no, God, don't make me do that, <laughs> right? Um, being kind to someone that is either antagonizing you or belligerent to you, okay? This is the ways of the Lord that, again, it's not our ways. You know, God's ways are not our ways. Um, now, as far as solution also, I just want to encourage you, you know, there's a principle in the Old Testament, I think it's in Proverbs, in multitude of counsel, there's safety. You know, sometimes we don't have to do it ourselves, right? When, when we have other, other people, it could be a small group leader, it could be a peer, it could be a more experienced peer that, that you confide in. Um, we, have, we have deacons here that are available to pray after every service, and you could reach out to them and share a prayer request. They can pray with you, and they can solution with you. Um, you know, Brian and I just had a great opportunity to minister to a, a, a member here earlier this year, and it was, such, it was such a great opportunity to do things together and together just share um, what we believe God is asking them to do, right? Um, and, you know, isn't, isn't that really one of the lessons we learned from COVID? Is that COVID isolated many of us, and many of us realized, oh, my goodness, like, sometimes we take for church for granted. Oh, we go every Sunday, but then when you couldn't go, it's like, oh, man, I haven't had a chance to worship together or discuss things and pray together. God did not want, God did not want Christianity to be something we walk alone. Okay? It's, not, it's not a Lone Ranger kind of, a, kind of a faith. And so one of the key points here I want you, I want you to walk away with, okay? Everything in the Old Testament just about everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And 
what is the most ultimate monumental task in, 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 the, in the Bible? It's the sin of all humanity, past and future. And then what is the most nonsensical solution to that? It's not just smiting everybody who, who, uh, who committed, committed sins, but God who gave, willingly gave his son so that through his blood, by sacrifice of his son, that we are saved. I mean, when you just, again, um, me as a, as a new father and an imperfect father, just think about, oh my goodness, that is incredible, incredible. But that's God's solution to what hinders us, right? And that, that's what draws us to the Lord. Okay. Um, okay, I want to just wrap up with um, uh, two stories, um, and hopefully I'll kind of drive home the point. Uh, one is about Mother Teresa, and the other is a more personal story about us. Um, you know, before Mother Teresa was a worldwide icon, and before she was a Nobel Prize winner, did you know she was not always welcome in India in the town that she was at? This, this documentary that I was watching really just kind of, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Initially, she, her and the nuns and, and, and um, that order of, of the nuns were not welcome in the town that they were in. And as a matter of fact, the town was trying to drive, drive them out. But the turning point, the turning point was there was a leper who was literally dying, crawled up to her doorstep and literally just collapsed. And the whole town literally was like, what's going to happen? Like, and they were literally seeing what they, they wanted to see what Mother Teresa would do. And She graciously came, picked him up, cared for him, and that, that was a turning point when the people realized, wow, she's for real, right? That everyone knows you don't, you don't touch a leper, my goodness, that, the physical touch is, is where the transmission is, you know, that's how it happens. But she didn't think twice about that. Right. Um, for as for my story, you know, I, as I as I mentioned earlier today, um, I made this kind of big career turn. Um, my career was going really, really well until the dot com bust, and then, and then I was just trying to find my next next job in the um, in the high tech world. So this was about. 2004, I was just getting some contracts jobs here and there, and we were kind of, our savings was getting dwindled and uh, dwindled down, and um, when my pastor asked me if I wanted to join the pastoral staff, I was like, wow, that's an interesting option. Never really, you know, our, it's not like our church posted a, a job posting and I applied for it, and, and also it would be a, a pretty steep, I don't know what, a, a huge pay cut, so the only way it was going to work, and, and, and Hera was, was an attorney who was in corporate law, but she, was, she had been home with the kids for about seven years. So the only way the math was going to work for our mortgage and everything was if Hera went back to work. 
So again, this is 2004, so around November, you know, we've been really praying about this, Lord, what, 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 what would you have us do? Um, not how I would have progressed my career, right? And um, so in the end, we really felt like this is what God wants us to do. So I, I started my job at the church in November 2004. And so as Hera was looking for this job, we, we also wanted to pray for like the right job for, for Hera. You know, previously I was working so many hours, you really didn't see dad, and we didn't want to get to a point where we didn't see mom. So we prayed for the right job. And so Hera got to interview for a, a federal clerkship. And, um, and if you know that role, it's very interesting work. You work within civil and criminal cases in the federal courts, and it's not as intense in terms of hours and workload as a, as a corporate job. So we said, oh, wow, okay. And, and she had a great interview, but the judge who was hiring said, you know, we really like you, but um, you've been out of work for seven years and you don't specifically have clerkship experience, so we're gonna actually go with this other candidate. But this other candidate we want can't start for six months. So they said, oh, would you like to, it's a full-time job, but it's only temporary. It's only for six months. We're like, well, it's a start, right? So, so Hera started her job as, the, as, a, as a temporary uh, clerk in the federal courts. We're like, okay, that kind of worked. So here we go. So fast forward as that six months is, is winding down. We're like, okay, so uh, what's, what's, how's the job search going? <laughs> and right as that six month temporary assignment is winding down. One of Hera's peers, one of the lady law critics goes on maternity leave. So we're like, oh, well that was convenient. <laughs> and so right as she was wrapping up her first six months, she just transitioned right to a four month maternity leave fill-in. And so we're like, oh, okay, well that kind of works for now. And so that was only for four months. So in the meantime, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting going. I'm like, should I quit and really find another job? Or, um, and right as that four-month maternity fill-in assignment was wrapping up, another lady goes on maternity leave, and then another, and then another for eight years. There was consecutive, temporary, full-time positions that Harold was able to, um, that, that God provided really. I and mean, even as I'm telling the story, it's almost, um, it's really a miracle. And, but back then also, I, I, to be honest, it was a bit of a, a roller coaster. Because again, I, would, I, would, I was, I was kind of thinking like, Lord, wouldn't it have been convenient if you would have lined up all these for like four <laughs> years in a row and it, it, it'd be a little easy on the agita. But, um, but no, it was, it was almost like God was saying, you know what? See, see how this is going to happen. And, and it almost became surreal. Like after like the eighth or ninth, and now some of them were personal leaves, some of them were medical leaves, but Hera became this person that literally filled in for some of the ladies. There's 22 judges in the Northern District of, of California, and I think she clerked for just about every judge. And for some of the lady law clerks, Hera was filling in for their second child, right? And they were like, Hera, are you available like August of next year? Because it's uh... <laughs> So it was this amazing thing to really see. And again, in hindsight, it, as even as I'm, as I'm telling it, it's like it's almost 
unbelievable. But um, the Lord provided for our, our needs. And, and again, it wasn't like, there, you're set, you know, go. It's like each step was kind of like a, a faith step, right? And, you know, some of my other um, friends from my previous careers, you know, it, it didn't kind of compute with them, you know, compute for them. They were like, well, so you now work for a church. Like, okay. That, so in terms of career, though, it was a huge left turn. But for personally, for me and for our family, it was the best decision because that gave us space and flexibility. I had time with my kids that I would have never had with any other, any other high-tech job, all right? Um, so I do want to wrap up with this, kind of the parting thought. Um, in Luke chapter 5, 31, Jesus answered to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think we, South Loop, has an assignment too. Darren shared our mission statement, right? We want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ until there's no place left, right? And again, I just want to encourage you to each of, each of us to really think about what might be a, a, a monumental task that we can lift to the Lord and hear from the Lord what instructions he would have, he would have given us, okay? Um, let me just close in prayer, and um, I think um, we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together, okay? Um, Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to dive into the Word together. Lord, I just ask that your, your Holy Spirit just minister to everyone here in this room. You have an assignment for every one of us, Lord. Some of it may seem very tall, may seem very, very challenging. But Lord, I just pray that we hear your words when you say, be of good courage and be strong. I pray, Lord, that, you would, that we would just glom onto those assignments, Lord, that we hear from you and, and even just pray together to um, encourage each other and to reinforce those assignments that have been given to us, Lord. I pray the, for the remainder of this service, Lord. May our worship be pleasing to you, Lord, as Alan and the band just leads us in, in just the remaining worship, Lord. Hear us, O oh Lord. Thank you. I pray in your precious son, Jesus' name.